Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to find out how to volunteer, please contact LibriVox.org. Recording by Peter Yearsley. Ghost Stories of an Antiquary by M. R. James. Reader's Note In the following text, a number of dates and names are missing. These are represented in the reading by the word blank. End of Reader's Note. Casting the Runes. April fifteenth, nineteen o blank. Dear Sir, I am requested by the Council of the blank, Association to return to you the draft of a paper on the truth of alchemy, which you have been good enough to offer to read at our forthcoming meeting, and to inform you that the Council do not see their way to including it in the programme. I am, yours faithfully, blank, Secretary. April the 18th. Dear Sir, I am sorry to say that my engagements do not permit of my affording you an interview on the subject of your proposed paper, nor do our laws allow of your discussing the matter with a committee of our council, as you suggest. Please allow me to assure you that the fullest consideration was given to the draft which you submitted, and that it was not declined without having been referred to the judgment of a most competent authority. No personal question, it can hardly be necessary for me to add, can have had the slightest influence on the decision of the Council. Believe me, but supra. April the 20th. The Secretary of the blank, Association begs respectfully to inform Mr. Carswell that it is impossible for him to communicate the name of any person or persons to whom the draft of Mr. Carswell's paper may have been submitted, and further desires to intimate that he cannot undertake to reply to any further letters on this subject. "'And who is Mr. Carswell?' inquired the secretary's wife. She had called at his office, and, perhaps, unwarrantably, had picked up the last of these three letters, which the typist had just brought in. "'Why, my dear, just at present Mr. Carswell is a very angry man. But I don't know much about him otherwise, except that he is a person of wealth, his address is Lufford Abbey, Warwickshire, and he's an alchemist, apparently, and wants to tell us all about it. And that's about all, except that I don't want to meet him for the next week or two. Now, if you're ready to leave this place, I am. What have you been doing to make him angry? asked Mrs. Secretary. The usual thing, my dear, the usual thing. He sent in a draft of a paper he wanted to read at the next meeting, and we referred it to Edward Dunning, almost the only man in England who knows about these things, and he said it was perfectly hopeless. So we declined it. So Carswell has been pelting me with letters ever since. The last thing he wanted was the name of the man we referred his nonsense to. You saw my answer to that. But don't you say anything about it, for goodness sake. I should think not, indeed. 
Did I ever do such a thing? I do hope, though, he won't get to know that it was poor Mr. Dunning. Poor Mr. Dunning! I don't know why you call him that. He's a very happy man, is Dunning. Lots of hobbies, and a comfortable home, and all his time to himself. I only meant that I should be sorry for him if this man got hold of his name, and came and bothered him. Oh, ah, yes, I dare say he would be poor Mr. Dunning then. The secretary and his wife were lunching out, and the friends to whose house they were bound were Warwickshire people. So Mrs. Secretary had already settled it in her own mind that she would question them judiciously about Mr. Carswell. But she was saved the trouble of leading up to the subject, for the hostess said to the host, before many minutes had passed, "'I saw the abbot of Lufford this morning.' The host whistled. "'Did you? What in the world brings him up to town?' "'Goodness knows. He was coming out of the British Museum gate as I drove past.' It was not unnatural that Mrs. Secretary should inquire whether this was a real abbot who was being spoken of. "'Oh, no, my dear, only a neighbour of ours in the country who bought Lufford Abbey a few years ago. His real name is Carswell.' "'Is he a friend of yours?' asked Mr. Secretary, with a private wink to his wife. The question let loose a torrent of declamation. There was really nothing to be said for Mr. Carswell. Nobody knew what he did with himself. His servants were a horrible set of people. He had invented a new religion for himself, and practised, no one could tell what, appalling rites. He was very easily offended, and never forgave anybody. He had a dreadful face, so the lady insisted, her husband somewhat demurring. He never did a kind action, and whatever influence he did exert was mischievous. Do the poor man justice, dear. The husband interrupted. You forget the treat he gave the school-children. Forget it, indeed. But I'm glad you mentioned it, because it gives an idea of the man. Now, Florence, listen to this. The first winter he was at Lufford, this delightful neighbour of ours, wrote to the clergyman of his parish, he's not ours, but we know him very well, and offered to show the school-children some magic lantern slides. He said he had some new kinds which he thought would interest them. Well, the clergyman was rather surprised, because Mr. Carswell had shown himself inclined to be unpleasant to the children, complaining of their trespassing, or something of the sort. But of course he accepted, and the evening was fixed, and our friend went himself to see that everything went right. He said he never had been so thankful for anything as that his own children were all prevented from being there. They were at a children's party at our house, as a matter of fact because this Mr. Carswell had evidently set out with the intention of frightening these poor village children out of their wits, and I do believe if he had been allowed to go on he would actually have done so. He began with some comparatively mild things. Red Riding Hood was one, and even then Mr. Farrer said the wolf was so dreadful that several of the smaller children had to be taken out and he said Mr. Carswell began the story by producing a noise like a wolf howling in the distance, which was the most gruesome thing he had ever heard. All the slides he showed, Mr. Farrer said, were most clever. They were absolutely realistic, and where he had got them, or how he worked them, he could not imagine. Well, the show went on, and the stories kept on becoming a little more terrifying each time, and the children were mesmerized into complete silence. 
At last he produced a series which represented a little boy passing through his own park, Lufford, I mean, in the evening. Every child in the room could recognize the place from the pictures, and this poor boy was followed, and at last pursued and overtaken, and either torn to pieces or somehow made away with, by a horrible hopping creature in white, which you saw first dodging about among the trees, and gradually it appeared more and more plainly. Mr. Farrer said it gave him one of the worst nightmares he ever remembered, and what it must have meant to the children doesn't bear thinking of. Of course, this was too much, and he spoke very sharply indeed to Mr. Carswell, and said it couldn't go on. All he said was, "'Oh, you think it's time to bring our little show to an end and send them home to their beds? Very well.' And then, if you please, he switched on another slide which showed a great mass of snakes and centipedes and disgusting creatures with wings, and somehow or other he made it seem as if they were climbing out of the picture and getting in amongst the audience, and this was accompanied by a sort of dry rustling noise which sent the children nearly mad, and of course they stampeded. A good many of them were rather hurting getting out of the room, and I don't suppose one of them closed an eye that night. There was the most dreadful trouble in the village afterwards. Of course the mothers threw a good part of the blame on poor Mr. Farrer, and if they could have got past the gates, I believe the fathers would have broken every window in the abbey. Well, now, that's Mr. Carswell, that's the abbot of Lufford, my dear, and you can imagine how we covet his society. Yes, I think he has all the possibilities of a distinguished criminal, has Carswell, said the host. I should be sorry for anyone who got into his bad books. Is he the man, or am I mixing him up with someone else? asked the secretary, who for some minutes had been wearing the frown of the man who is trying to recollect something. Is he the man who brought out a history of witchcraft some time back, ten years or more? That's the man. Do you remember the reviews of it? Certainly I do, and what's equally to the point, I knew the author of the most incisive of the lot. So did you. You must remember John Harrington. He was at John's in our time. Oh, very well indeed, though I don't think I saw or heard anything of him between the time I went down and the day I read the account of the inquest on him. Inquest? said one of the ladies. What has happened to him? Why, what happened was that he fell out of a tree and broke his neck. But the puzzle was, what could have induced him to get up there? It was a mysterious business, I must say. He was this man, not an athletic fellow, was he? And with no eccentric twist about him that was ever noticed, walking home along a country road late in the evening, no tramps about, well known and liked in 